Well, good afternoon, guys. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. John verse 27. So hold your Bibles up if you got them. Philip's going to bring by some candy for you. And so John chapter 10. That's right after John chapter 9 and right before John chapter 11. So, hey guys, listen up, alright? So, last week we talked about assurance of salvation. The week before that we talked about trusting the Bible as the Word of God. And tonight we're going to look at eternal security, okay? So this is some deep stuff theologically. I'm not going to go too deep in it tonight because I could spend some time talking about this. So, John chapter 10. And so, eternal security, this will probably be where a lot of y'all hear the old saying, once saved, always saved, all right? And the way I would rather it be said is, if saved, always saved. If saved, always saved. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And so, let's go ahead and read John chapter 10, and verse 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for these students that have been able to come tonight. Lord, I pray, God, that your spirit will be felt here tonight. God, I pray... Lord, if there's someone in here tonight that doesn't know you, God, that tonight will be the night of their salvation. Lord, I pray also as we come to this time of studying the text, Lord, give us assurance of our salvation. Lord, I pray that you will also, God, I pray that you give people that, that maybe, maybe don't know, God, that you assure them of that, God, encourage us through eternal security that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Lord, God, that's the exciting news as a follower of Christ. Lord, be with us, guide us, and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing we'll look at tonight is positives of eternal security. Eternal security is a good thing. And it can and does give us much comfort as followers of Christ. So positives of eternal security, number one underneath that is spiritual health. So remember last week we talked about Assurance of salvation, that it's 100% a gift from God. That we can do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to earn it. We can't work to get saved. And so, as I am a Bible and church history nerd, there's a man named Martin Luther. How many of y'all have heard of him? King. Not King. No. You should have learned this. Martin Luther. All right. He did something 500 years ago. This Halloween is very important for us as Protestants. But Martin Luther was a Catholic monk back in the 1500s. That was a long time ago. And so Martin Luther had not come across eternal security. So last week we talked about assurance of salvation as a gift and it is grace from God. Martin Luther as a Catholic did not have that experience. For Martin Luther it was a faith plus works. He had to work his way into heaven. And so as he was in the monastery and he was a monk, 
Every day he would spend hours in confession with the priest because in Catholicism, you have to go to the priest and confess your sins and they are the, what would be considered the, the moderator between mediator between you and God. And so he would go to him every day for hours and confess his sin. Well, we as Protestants, we believe that Christ is the one we go to. For him, he didn't have that option. Not only would he go spend hours in confession every day, he would often be found on his face crying uncontrollable tears in his room because he felt that there was nothing he could do that was good enough to get into heaven. He was troubled so greatly by his sin that he would spend hours on the floor crying. How miserable of a life would that be? I mean, think about that, guys. How miserable of a life would it be that if we knew that we could lose our salvation and that it depended on how much work we did for the kingdom, how painful of a life would that be? How many of y'all would sit there and go to the priest and confess your sins? How many of y'all would be found on your face crying before God? It'd be kind of like if we say in an orphanage, okay? Let's say you were, you were an orphan. And as an orphan, you were adopted. Your, your parents had put you in the orphanage because you'd done something wrong, okay? You didn't clean your room or whatever it was. And so they send you to the orphanage. You go to the orphanage for a couple days to your family. You know, it feels, okay, well, maybe, well, maybe, maybe we'll love this person again. So they go back, they get you from the orphanage, they bring you back home. You don't clean the dishes next time, they send you back to the orphanage. Okay? Maybe a week or two passes, they come back and get you. They come back home, you just went off to your mom, and they send you back to the orphanage. They let a month go by, they come back and get you. You're back at the house. This time you didn't cut grass, they send you back to the orphanage. And this trend continues for all of your life. How traumatic of an experience would that be if you were an eight-year-old? You're at home for a week or a day, and then you're back at the orphanage. You're part of the family one day, and then you're not part of the family the other day. That'd be a headache. You'd be worried all the time. You'd be sick to your stomach. It's the same thing for those who don't have eternal security. They think they're part of the family one day, and then they lose their salvation. They think they're going to heaven one day, and they think they did something to lose it. Spiritual health would be ruined. But God's word sits there and says, if you are saved, you will always be saved. Remember what it says and says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never do what? Perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And he goes on and says, no one snatch them out of my father's hand who is greater than I. For Martin Luther when he realized that nothing could separate him from the love of God. Something clicked in his mind. He said, I've got to tell this to people. And so instead of him spending hours in confession, hours on the floor crying every day, what happened to Martin Luther? He started telling people. He became what the second part of this would be in the positives of eternal life. He became productive. So Martin Luther, in 1517, October 31st, has issues with what he sees within Catholicism and he nails his 95 thesis on the church of Wittenberg in Germany and he starts a movement called the Reformation. Not only did he start this movement, he came up with this belief that we hold to which is faith alone through grace alone and Christ alone. 
Christ's faith and grace. Not a works-based religion, but one that's solely by the grace of God and the faith of the Son of Jesus Christ. He's sort of a movement that ultimately results to us being in here tonight. Your productivity is also a positive of eternal security. I mean, think about it. If we thought we were going to lose our salvation, will we not 24-7 be praying in repentance and asking God to save us? I mean, I knew a guy that honestly thought that if he left confession at the church, got in his car and drove home, and some point between the time he was leaving the priest's confessional and got to his house, he sinned, and someone hit him in a car and he wrecked and died, he thought he was going to hell. That is how insane it is to think that we could be separated from the love of God. He's, you're not productive if you're always worried if you're going to heaven or hell. Very few Christians are productive if they have no assurance of salvation. Why? This is very simple. When we know that the future is secure, then we can concentrate on the present. When we don't have to worry about what the future holds for us, we can be productive today. An illustration of this. How many of y'all seen the Golden Gate Bridge? Not the Golden Gate Warriors. Like the bridge. In person? Or no, a picture of it in general. You know what I'm talking about. The Big Red Bridge. Okay? So when the Big Red Bridge was being created, and I, I could be wrong on some of these numbers, but when it was being created, they started on it, and over the course of time that they were working, because when you have a project, you have certain due dates, you're supposed to be so far along, they were behind <coughs> in scheduling. Not only were they behind in scheduling, but at some point in there, they had lost, and they weren't even halfway through, they had lost over 100 people. A hundred people have died. They'd fallen from the bridge and fallen in the water and died. And this was happening all the time. It was becoming less and less productive. And so this is what the builders, the, the people over the contract decided they were going to spend, I think it was about a hundred million dollars to build a safety net that went under the bridge. And the safety net, what would be is if you were building on here and for some reason you fell, that safety net would catch you before you'd fall in the water and die. And what they realized, what they thought was going to be somewhat expensive when they built this safety net, is that, yes, it cost them something up front, but they only lost about, I think, 10 to 20 more people. Only. They were like a quarter of the way through. You're going from 100 at a quarter to about 10 to 20 for the next 75%. And not only that, but they were actually working double the pace because the guys were what? They weren't afraid of... Falling. Falling. That's how they said, okay, if I fall, I have a net to catch me. They have a safety net. And so they started being more productive. It's the same in our Christian life. If we don't have to worry about if we're good enough or bad enough to get into heaven or get into hell, we are more productive. We don't have to worry about death. We know what's on the other side. We have a productivity. We don't have to be afraid of what people think of us. God does not desire to you to stay the same. Hebrews chapter 6 says, don't lay, down, don't lay again the foundation of repentance. Don't continue to stay an elementary Christian. Don't drink the milk. Continue to grow. I mean, think about it. Sadie Blake right now, she's a year and some change. I don't still feed her formula every day. She can go to the Mexican restaurant and she'll eat chips and tortillas or a chicken quesadilla. She hadn't started eating steak yet. 
but she has to grow. It's the same with the Christian life. We cannot continue to remain the same and be worried about, am I saved or am I not saved? In the Christian life, in the assurance of salvation, to be productive for the kingdom of God, we must, too, move from spiritual milk and start to eat quesadillas and chips and salsa <laughs> and eventually eat a nice juicy steak or vegetables on the grill. Whatever it is, guys, we have to grow. We have to mature. We have to press on. And so eternal security as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is a positive for us because we don't have to worry about, am I going to lose my salvation? Which affects us spiritually, our spiritual and mental health. But because of that, it also affects the productivity that we get to have for the kingdom. But if there's positives to eternal security, there's also what? Negatives. Negatives to eternal security. The second part of tonight. What do we mean by eternal security? Eternal means what? Forever. Forever. Security? Safe. Forever safe. Okay, I'm just going to break it down, just making sure. We don't mean that when someone joins a church, when someone gets baptized, that they're secure for all of eternity. Because that person may or may not be saved. We're talking about life change. And so in Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read this. This is probably... One of the hardest passages for me as a minister of the gospel. In Matthew chapter 7. I'll start reading in verse 21. So it's not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Listen to what he said. It doesn't say you had it, but you lost it. No, he says, I never what? I never knew you. And notice again, these aren't people. These are the people who did what? They worked. These would be the people that come to church. These are the ones that show up on Sundays or Wednesday nights or Sunday nights or they'd go to camp, they'd go to revival. These are people that we would see as active church participants. They were casting out demons in his name. They were prophesying. They were doing all these mighty works in your name. I never knew him. True change produces itself. It's sustainable. It's not short term. So I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of times when we come back from camp or we come back from a mission trip, and not just here, but across the board, we're excited, we're pumped up, we come back. And a lot of times adults are kind of smirking. (laughs) They'll get over it. And the problem is, that is exactly what we do. We get over it. And there's a twofold reason behind this. One, we get over it because we get caught up in the day-to-day life. The other part of the reason that we just get over it is because a lot of times when we go off to camp or we go off on a mission trip or we go to this event or we go to a revival or whatever it is, a lot of times it's emotions. Emotions are not sustainable. Where do emotions come from, guys? The heart. You know what the Bible says about the heart? It's deceitful above all things. (coughs) This is why it's hard for me And Matthew 27 troubles me. It's because a lot of times we come back from the camp experience and we say we got saved or we say we felt called to ministry. 
But, you know, we had students, and again, even when I brought this up at camp, we had students that said they felt called to ministry, and I told them I was going to hold them to a higher standard that I expected more out of them. Some of them hadn't even come back to church since we come back from camp. Those of y'all, some of y'all said y'all had a salvation experience. And what was what I would say as part of the salvation experience? One, we make it public, and then we get baptized as a demonstration of our commitment to Christ. And I've talked with some of y'all about that. Talked with some people that aren't even here tonight about that, and they haven't had any move towards that. So the question is: Is it emotions? Because if it's emotions, people can play the part. We can play church all the time. I mean, there's people here when I first moved here that were in their 60s, 70s that have been in church their whole lives. They've been baptized before, and they come down front on a Sunday morning and say, "I never knew him, but I know him today." Guys, don't be that person. Don't be the person that the Lord sits there and says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And then you sit there and tell them, but God, I, I, I went to camp. I went to go to Atlanta. I went to this mission trip. I went to church. And God sits there and says, I never know you. Something I hate tremendously, for the most part, are funerals to a degree. Funerals can be good and funerals can be bad. I've done a few. The worst ones are the ones that I never knew if they knew Christ. And what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit there and say, you know, she was a good, good person. She, she came to the youth group. Do I lie? Because what I said, guys, is it has to have life change. There is a continuous, there is a change. What did we talk about last week? Does sin bother us? Do we have desire to get in God's word and grow? I'd hate it if I had to do someone's funeral and I sat there and looked at them and said, you know, they came, but I never saw any life change. I can't comfort somebody, but the funeral that I loved, that I did, was a guy that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loved God. And I got to sit there and comfort his family and tell them, X, Y, and Z, this is how I knew that he was saved. And the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we know that he gets to see the King of Kings whom he loved. Don't be the person that God sits there and says, I never need you to part from me. Many will say in that day. Many will say, I never knew you. You don't get caught up in emotions, guys. Don't be the person that sits there and says, I got saved at camp so I can go on sinning. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, may it never be. You cannot live in open sin, unrepentant sin, and be a child of God. It's not possible. That's why I sit there and say it's if saved. Always saved. Not once saved, always saved. There's a difference. Do we know him? Do we truly know him? So lastly, this is a great promise that we get from Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 36. And it reads, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we were being killed all the day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice what it says. Nothing. Nothing can separate you. From the love of God, if you are a child of God. Height, depth, the sword, danger, 
famine, persecution, distress, heights, deaths, death nor life, angels, rulers, nothing present nor anything to come can separate us from the love of God. That is a blessing, guys. That if you are in Christ, he loves you so much that he has given us the promise that if you are in him, you're in him forever. You have nothing to worry about. And so in closing tonight, there are two questions. Let's talk about the last week of assurance of salvation. Does sin bother you? Do you have a desire to grow and change? If you don't, then maybe you're the person that doesn't know one. Maybe you'll be the person that God sits there and says, hey, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Maybe you're in the other camp tonight, and I praise God for this. Maybe you sit there and you have sin that bothers you. Sin troubles you greatly. And yes, you have a desire to grow and learn and closer to God. And so tonight, that's a night of rejoicing for you because you get to sit there and say, yes, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am in him. He has bought me with a price, and I get to worship him. But the comfort in that tonight is, one, it should affect you spiritually. You have excitement to know that he loves you. But also that means you don't have to worry about tomorrow, but it means you need to be productive today. Build his kingdom. Share the gospel. Share it with boldness. Do not be afraid. So guys, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I a child of God? Do I know him? Does sin bother me? If I die tonight, do I know if I would be eternally secure? Would I be going to paradise to be in the presence of my Lord? Will I spend eternity in hell? Guys, if you have been saved, rejoice in that. If you're called to ministry, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. If you have been saved and made a proclamation of salvation, but yet have not gone up front or been baptized, you need to do that. Talk to me about that. So I'm going to pray for us. If you need to talk to me or talk to one of the adults about salvation or anything God's laying on your heart, I'll be in the back. The adults will be in the room. Grab one of us and talk to us. We're going to sing a few songs. We'll sing a song, and then we're going to be dismissed to small groups. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for the students you have brought here to be with us. Lord, I pray as we come to this time of an invitation, God, I pray that, Lord, you'll start speaking to people's hearts. God, I pray that you'll call those to repentance that don't know you, God, that tonight will be the night of salvation for some. Lord, I pray that you will comfort those God, who know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they're going to see you. And God, they don't have to worry about tomorrow. But God, let them be productive today. Lord, I thank you for your son and the blessing you've given us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.